Good morning. Hope you're having a wonderful day. We're in chapter 7 of Tanya for the ninth day of Teves. We're learning about the neutral klipa, klipa snoga, that can be elevated, let's say, kosher food, using it for holy purposes, for energy to do a mitzvah or to eat on Shabbat, um, making a blessing and so on. So then you elevate that neutral klipa and you extract the holiness and you elevate it to holiness. But what happens when the opposite? Or, for example, he said, if you say a joke to open people's minds to learning, the joke is elevated. On the other hand, if a person is one of those who gluttonously eat meat and quaff wine in order to satisfy their bodily appetites and animal soul, then since of the animal soul, four elements, the desire belongs to the element of water from which comes the appetite for pleasantness, so what happens then? In such a case, the vitality of the meat and wine that had that he ingested is thereby degraded and absorbed temporarily in the utter evil of the three unclean klipot. So you degraded a neutral piece of kosher food, and because it was done gluttonous, it brought it down from klipas noga to the three impure klipot. His, the gluttonous body, becomes a garment and a vehicle for these klipot. What does it mean, a vehicle? Basically, a vehicle is, uh, means total subservience, just like a vehicle is completely subservient to the will of the driver. It doesn't have its will of its own. So, too, in, in this case, basically, person becomes completely subservient to the three unclean klipot. Lefisha. But this is only temporarily until the person repents and returns to the service of God and his Torah. Note at that point, he ceases to be a vehicle for the klipot, and the energy of the food and drink is then released from the klipot and returns to sanctity. Because again, we're not eating non-kosher here. For inasmuch as the meat and the wine were kosher and permissible, and it was only the person's desire for pleasure that degraded them, they have the power to revert and ascend with him when he returns to the service of God. At which time, basically at that point, the strength of, um, gained from the food and drink are then used a lot, utilized for serving, serving God. This is implied in the terms heter, which means permiss- permissibility and mutar, permissible. That so basically... Anything that's allowed to be done is called mutter, permissible, because it uh, literally means released, unbound. What that means is um, that the, it's a permissible object and it's not chained to the klipot. That is to say, it is not tied and bound down to the, bound by the power of the extraneous forces, in other words, the klipot, that hold it down away from holiness, preventing it from returning and ascending to God. So in other words, something that was a non-kosher piece of meat would have been stuck in the three impure klipot. Something that's kosher, just eaten gluttonously, so it can descend to the three impure klipot. But once a person returns to God, could re-elevate it uh, after returning to God. Nevertheless, even when the energy reverts to holiness oh, through a person's return to service of God, a trace of the evil remains in the body. Basically... Uh, again, when you eat the permissible food for the bodily pleasure, it, it makes the food go into the evil. And, be, and at that moment, it becomes part of your body. Through And then for repentance, what can we elevate? The, the repentance elevates not only the person, but also the energy of the food as well. 
but because it became part of the body, a vestige of the evil remains. For this reason, the body must undergo the purgatory of the grave, as will be explained later. Basically, they're ha- like their heavenly punishments called the pur- uh, it's a spiritual purification, and then basically, whatever evil energy was created by eating and drinking. Um, is removed through this punishment. So too with regards to the vitality of the drops of semen emitted from the body, with animal lust by him who has not conducted himself in a holy manner during intimacy with his wife during her state of purity. Here too, the vitality is temporarily absorbed in the evil of the three unclean klipot until the person repents. Again, all the above instances, the fault is not in the act. It's only because they are permissible, but rather it's the intention in doing them. Now acting out of regard to the God bodily pleasure, not for the sake of heaven. But what happens if it was really non-kosher food? Such is not the case, however, with forbidden foods and illicit coition, which inasmuch as they are prohibited acts, act, derive their vitality from the three entirely unclean klipot. These are tied and bound by the extraneous forces that klipot forever. They, the vitality of, of these prohibited acts, are not elevated from the klipot until their day comes, the time when evil will totally disappear from the world. When death, in other words, the klipot called death because they oppose godliness, which is life, will be swallowed up, in other words, eradicated forever, as is written in Zechariah, and I, God, will remove the spirit of impurity from the, from the earth. Then, when the klipot cease to exist, the sparks of holiness will themselves be freed from them. That's the three impure klipot. That's what it means, asur, that's prohibited, tied down by the klipot. Oi, there's another way to do it. Even before Mashiach comes, or until this sinner does such a high level of tshuva, of repentance, repents so earnestly that his premeditated sins become transmitted into veritable merits. He makes his sins into mitzvahs. That's a very high level of tshuva. This is achieved through repentance out of love, coming from the depths of the heart with great love and fervor and from a soul passionately desiring to cleave to the blessed God. And thirsting for God like a parched and barren soil, thirst desperately for water. For an in as much as until now, basically until he repented, his soul had been in a barren wilderness and in the shadow of death, which is the Sitra Akhra, and had been far removed from the light of the divine countenance in the greatest possible measure. Therefore, now that he repents out of love, his soul thirsts for God even more than, intensely than the souls of the righteous who have never sinned. So basically, the tzaddik um, is always close to God. So he's like someone near water. He's never so thirsty. The Balchuva, the repentant, however, because he's he sinned, he finds himself in a desert and he thirsts for water more than the tzaddik. And that's why his sins become merits, because his sin, which is the idea of bringing him into a desert away from God, actually makes him, drives him to go closer to God. As our sages say, what does it say in the, the Gemara Brachos? Where penitent stands, and Bali Chuba stands, not even the perfectly righteous can stand, because the tzaddik lacks intense yearning for God. And only concerning repentance out of such great love has it been said that penitence, premeditated sins, 
become for him like virtues, like a mitzvah, since through them the sins that he had done, the distance from God, he attained when he repented um, um, to this great love. So basically the sins affected him in the same way a mitzvah does, they brought him with a greater love to God. But in the case of repentance that does not come from such love, though it is proper, it be proper repentance, and God will surely pardon him. Nevertheless, his sins are not transformed, transformed for for him into the equivalent of virtues. His sins don't become mitzvahs. It's just repentance means that he gets forgiven. They are not released and hence do not completely ascend from the klipot so that no trace of the sin remains until the end of time when death will be swallowed up forever with Mashiach. Speedily now. Amen. Have a wonderful day.